Walk It, Bike It, Ayrshire podcast is a creation of the Active Travel Hub Kilmarnock and Active Travel Hub Air. For those who don't know us, both hubs operate out of the train stations in their respective town centres and work to promote active travel to the general public, to workplaces and community groups. We want to make it easier for everyone to access walking and cycling and to see them as better alternatives to taking the car. Whilst we're all currently working from home, we're still here to help and you can call, email or contact us through social media and we hope you'll love our new podcast, Walk It, Bike It, Ayrshire. Hello and welcome to our next instalment of our Walk It, Bike It podcast series, brought to you by Air and Kilmarnock Active Travel Hubs. I'm Rory from the Hub in Air, and this podcast recording will mark our one-year anniversary of the Walk It, Bike It podcast series. To celebrate this milestone, we thought you'd want to hear from our team behind the podcast to hear a bit about the services we deliver. I have the pleasure to be joined by my colleague Pernilla from the Kilmarnock Hub, who's going to share, to us, uh, share with us today about lead rides and the Anshu Cycles campaign. Hello and welcome, Pernilla. Hello. Thanks for having um, me. No worries. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming along. Um, so if, for everybody, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I should probably start with the, the fact that I'm Danish, but the name always sounds a little bit funny and the accent always gives it away. So yeah, that, that's one thing. I, I grew up cycling. Um, lot generally nothing fancy sporty but rather just trying to get for me to be have always been very active um enjoy anything outdoorsy and lots of gymnastics and dance so you'll always be able to find me in either the sports hall or somewhere out in the hills getting some fresh air um and yeah and then I've lived here for a few years now really love it yeah have you got a have you got a favorite spot in Scotland Ooh, a favourite sport here. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to offend you if I don't say rugby, isn't that the case? <laughs> I mean, I kind of started to like rugby when I was in New Zealand, because I kind of have to, you know, when you're in New Zealand, and if you don't like yeah. rugby, you are doomed. <laughs> um, well, I mean, here, I mean, to me, I still like gymnastics and trampolining is is more fun here, but but oh um, uh, you know. <laughs> I was only, I was only I mean, I was only putting you in this part. <laughs> you are putting me on the spot. <laughs> uh, well, here's here's a more direct question then. So, uh, you're, if you're stuck in a desert island, name three possessions you couldn't do without, and why? Yeah, that is a really good question. I mean, I feel like it's going to be thinking really practically, but I can live without my tent. You know. As much as you know, others would be sensible. I'm sure Jillian has mentioned chocolate. Not that that's sensible, but oh, I'm sure she's mentioned it. <laughs> um, but just thinking about, you know, it's a desert island, and there's going to be lots of little insects, and I just don't fancy waking up like and like a spider crawling over my face. And my tent has taken me so many cool places. Like it's managed Patagonia, which is brilliant. Lots of hiking with it. So yeah, definitely bring that. If you're on like a desert island as well, I, I definitely need something to fiddle with, you know? Mm. Like I, yeah. so for instance, like, I don't know, gymnastics clubs or something like that, you know? I, I learned to do the Rubik's Cube just because I was like, wanted to have something to fiddle with and then eventually you decided to learn that. <laughs> so I, I think something like that, probably like 
perhaps not gymnastics clubs. I mean, if you're on a desert island, you know, the likelihood to get the concussion using gymnastics clubs is a little too <laughs> great. <laughs> so I think I might stick yeah. with like perhaps like hula hoop or something like gymnastics hula hoop. Hula. You can you can like do something fun with. Yeah, it's a bit I've actually had to cycle with it back when I was training, had one season where you had to do like a hula hoop. And when I had to cycle to training, I was like always trying to figure like a fancy way to kind of hold it on. Yeah. Oh my it's word. Bit, it looked ridiculous and you took out so much space <laughs> like the, the cycle lanes as well I'm like oh I'm sorry I'm just passing you here try not to get people caught in your hula hoop yeah, well, that's, anyway. that, that's, a, that's a good way to keep folk two meters back from that's it it was prior to COVID though but, yeah. but it's true yeah that means yeah. you know generally no like unsafe overtaking <laughs> it might be it that might be the new skill and trick in order to avoid any sort of unsafe overtaking is just Bring a hula hoop with you. <laughs> yeah, could be could be the way forward, Panella. Could be the way forward. Yeah, progressive thinking. Um, let me think. Last thing. I mean, I have to say, if I'm on a desert island and I'm by the water all the time, I would like a windsurfer with me. I mean, I oh, don't nice. currently have one, but I, would, I could take the one that my parents have in Denmark. So I'd go with that. Yeah, because otherwise, you know, looking out of the water all the time and not being able to like actually get out in the water like that, I, I think I'd kind of. Yeah, but there, there are. Like, I, I would love that as well. There are there are a lot of people out there that would quite happily stay out of the water <laughs> and stay on the beach because there's too many things in the water that they think are going to kill them. That's so exciting, though. Have you ever dived or like done any snorkeling? That's the best bit. You can see all the. I did. I did it in the. Ba- I did it in the barrier. I did it in the barrier reef, uh, and dived in some crazy places uh, in Australia. And yeah, you see dorsal fins and you see sharks roaming around, and yeah, like the, the, at first I was just a little like pale white guy from the UK, <laughs> from Scotland. Didn't have a clue. And then I learned, you obviously learn like what sharks are going to hurt you and what sharks are uh, pretty friendly, I guess. Not going to go anywhere near you. <laughs> well, honestly, I've only on my dives and snorkeling, the only time I've seen a shark was literally also in the Great Barrier Reef and it was just lying on like the bottom and not doing anything. So it's like just chilling. It's like, yeah, that, it's that's so, a bit like, scary when they're not moving. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit... yeah, it almost looks like it's dead, you know? It's a little oh, bit no. sad. Yeah, you don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> I know. Ooh, is it pondering? <laughs> Coming up with some, like, I don't know, evil plan. Who knows? <laughs> right, well, that's a little bit of a window into Pernilla. Yay. <laughs> if we talk about some of the things that we're doing, though, I, I have promised to, to talk about the, the lead rides and... Cheek Cycles campaign today um, and I can start off with with some of the lead rides it's been really interesting as well I started with the hops now in May uh, so I haven't really seen how the hops are actually doing prior to the pandemic but I've been with another act of travel hub in Sterling prior to this and um, when finally some of these restrictions uh, were kind of easing we, we were looking into how we could you know, start um, start up some of the events and activities that we used to do before before the pandemic hit. Um, and one of the things we're really keen to get back on into doing were the lead rides. Um, 
and I should probably say the lead rates. Um, for anybody who doesn't know what a lead rate is, is um, kind of as the name suggests, it's it's lead. <laughs> so so you have you have like a ride leader, and then you have a ride manager. Um, they're basically just gonna keep you safe along the way. Um, the leader will be up front um, guiding guiding the group and the manager in the back will will make sure to, to stay safe and actually manage the group from the back. Um, and it was really good fun. Um, it, it's quite an inclusive way to, to kind of get into cycling because the main thing and the main reason why we're actually doing lit rides is um, to kind of increase people's confidence make them feel like cycling can be for them, show them new routes. Um, that was one of the things we kind of started to look into when when we were we were looking to, to restart the rides. Um, Rory, as you probably know, um, prior to the pandemic, we used to use our e-bikes um, yeah. for, for taking people out on, on sort of light rides. Uh, but now that we're using the e-bikes for uh, the workplaces that we collaborate with so we do e-bike loans for at the hub here in Kilmanock it's it's East Asia Council it's WDWP um so the Department for Work and Pensions it's also college and NHS so those are some of the workplaces that we do it this with but basically that means we don't have the e-bikes to, to use for the lead rides anymore uh, um, so, with, with, so with, with with the lead rides mm-hmm. what coming I guess out of the pandemic. I know we're still in the pandemic, <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, was there was there reluctance from people, from people, and from I guess your your volunteer teams to get back involved with the lead rides? Not at all, actually. Oh. Um, in terms of like getting back into it, it was um, particularly with the volunteers. They were very keen to to get involved and. They've always been excellent at coming up with new ideas and new routes and uh, ways to kind of, you know, link up different places. Because that's one of the things, you know, we're rethinking how can we do this. And yeah. now that we're not using our own e-bikes, we we kind of ask people to bring their own bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people have now brought bikes over the, the course of the pandemic. So and more people live different places around East Asia. Um, before we always started in the hub, which is in central Kilmanock. So that kind of limited which ways we were going. Um, and, and now more people are actually able to take part because we started in different places. Some have started in Venice, some have started in Stewart and down in Morkland as well. We started some there. So um and what's, what's the what's the sort of average distance that they go on the rides? It kind of varies. Like we have some really short rides where we're talking about what four or five miles um, in in total, um, where where you know you, you stay more local. But then there's also some where they've been about twenty miles or so. Um, so it just really depends because we want it to be varied and actually suit different people depending on. Um, who you are, where you are in your sort of cycling journey. But but quite often for us, it's about trying to link communities as well, trying to see, yeah, um, rather than it just being, you know, oh, we're going to go for a nice cycle ride. Of course, that's also part of it because yeah. that's why yeah. you go on a lit ride because it's social and it's fun and it makes it more enjoyable. But it's also kind of to explore some of the routes. Um, 
I mean, as I said, I only started here in May, but I even remember back in Stirling as well, it was, it was quite often there was a lot of cycling infrastructure actually around Stirling, but quite often people yeah. weren't aware that it was there. Um, and it's the same here, you know, some areas more than others have, have cycling infrastructure. Yeah. But A lot of people even, don't know what's on their doorstep, really. Well, that's exactly it. You know, it's just about becoming aware of what there is and which route to go because quite often people are put off by cycling because they're like oh there's a big a route and i don't want to go there but quite often those can be avoided um so, so that's quite often what we try to do is trying to link up the communities and show some of the the nicer routes so it doesn't become a sort of struggle to get from a to b but it can actually be quite an enjoyable experience um and then when you do it with a group it, it's just more fun really so it's been really nice to see um, and you see I'll, the same faces coming along all the time to the rides, or is it different people all the time? Um, there's definitely some some people that that, that come in this um, like return, um, but yeah. it's also new people depending on what area. So, you know, if if you're based in Stuart uh, then it's you know convenient to start there, and you know then we've had other people when we started from Auckland. So, you know, because they start from different places around. Um, it's not necessarily the same but then you know we've also had some that come on some of the fennec rides and some for the kilmanic as well so uh so definitely some familiar faces um some returners how, how, and how do how do people book onto these rides it's all an event right um it's it's something as far as i understood it's something we didn't do before it was um more of something we advertised and now because of the pandemic you know we had yeah. to manage the numbers in a different way that you can't just for instance with the sort of health walks and these sorts we, we kind of need to manage numbers um and that's actually something we continue with so it's just all an event right to just book on it's still free but um it just means that we we know all the details that we don't have to take a record as we're yeah. there. It's it's much easier to just manage um, prior to the ride, which is really nice. Well, that, that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, uh, I think people will maybe listen to this and ask themselves, how much does it cost? Uh, <laughs> obviously, everything we do at the hubs are uh, they don't cost anything. Everything's free. Um, so um, you've heard heard Pernilla with the the lead rides and. I guess the areas in uh, in the Kilmarnock and East Ayrshire area that um, they take people out on. Um, at the Air Hub, we aren't doing them at the moment. We used to do the rides, um, but hopefully in the next in, in the new year that we'll maybe get back into doing that um, to follow what uh, the Kilmarnock Hub are doing. Have you got, have you got any? I guess good news stories or from any of these lead rides, any? I mean, I have to say, some some news, good news. I mean, for me, I, I came along on one of the rides from Fennec and quite often we, we organize it. So often it's led by some of the volunteers. So I don't necessarily always get to actually speak to all the people, which is a oh, shame. Right. Um, but, but here in this case, I was managing that ride and I got to chat to, to a lot of the people that were coming along. Oh, and for me personally, just hearing, um, you know, their experiences and also what it makes a difference to them. Um, yeah. Some of these sort of opportunities as well. Um, 
back then we were taking the ride up to Newton Moons and this is just a cycle path that follows along is it the A, is it 71 or something like that? Oh, yes. nearly, 77. <laughs> oh, 77. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> A71 goes the other way. Oh, oh, do you know what? <laughs> 77 then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and it's so funny because, you know, if you drive it, you you may notice it, but not necessarily. Um, so it's a very straightforward route, but, you know, just showing and hearing that it, it actually made a difference and I can actually yeah. do this you know when you do it as a group because it's 20 miles and you know back and forth and it's like mm, can I actually do this uh, is that am I capable of, of going such a such a distance but when when you're going with a group you, you don't actually realize that sort of no. distance so to me that was really really positive to hear that and although I don't know well I don't know if you're aware mm-hmm. or of the history of that so that road is actually what was the A77 before? So you've got the motorway with mm-hmm. the two with all with all the lanes on it. Uh-huh. So that is relatively new in terms of road terms. That road that you cycle up to Newton Merns is actually what you had used to drive on. I'm showing the age, but uh, that's <laughs> that that used to be that used to be the road to go up to Glasgow. And now it's, it's, it's obviously you rode on it and yeah. you can see how quiet it is and how, I guess, user-friendly it is for, on a bike. And they've got the segregated bit, but also even if you ride on the road, there's not a lot of traffic, but that used to be it. Pe- oh, do you know what? Yeah, no, I had no clue. No clue that that was the case. There you it go. doesn't surprise me, though. It does, it's quite often the case when you then get moved away and then all the traffic is kind of moved from there but yeah I would say even even going out on the road there I, I wouldn't mind it at all um I certainly prefer when when you can get the separated bit and particularly when it is yeah. wide because it is that's the really nice thing about that cycle path there yeah, is that it's just nice. it's really wide so you can actually cycle next to each other and you can just have a chat and you know that's what you kind of like as well you know that's what makes cycling nice that's what, fo- that's what folk are looking for yeah that's what I grew up with you know that was the reason why you'd like literally tell yeah your pal and be like oh let's meet here and then we'll just cycle there and then you just chat along and then you didn't really realize that you're going from A to B it was just you know chatting that's what that's what I like about cycling um but yeah it was just speaking to them about it and hearing their experiences one had actually just taken it up and it was fairly new had just taken up cycling during the pandemic um and it was awesome to hear just going along for like a 20 mile ride, you know, as a fairly new cyclist and, you know, not a problem at all. You know, it's just, I think people are capable of much more than they actually believe in the beginning. And it's just exciting to see how, how much you can actually grow. And grow. Oh, I think so as well. I, th- I think there's, I think when people see, so see if they see an advert for 20 mm. miles, they think, oh, wow, that's like a massive distance. Yeah. Um, but actually when they cycle it, it, it doesn't really take that long. No. Um, so sometimes it's it's like I guess coming along to try it. So if anyone out there wants to come and try our lead rides, then you can jump on the come on Facebook page onto the events uh, and follow the links into Eventbrite and we'll maybe see you there. Absolutely. Um so moving on to I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated about this um, and I think it's awesome. 
is the Anshi Cycles campaign um, that you've been heavily involved with, along with everybody else with Amy. Um, so tell us everything about Anshi Cycles, because um, not I don't imagine a lot of people will know about this, um, but yeah. Hopefully we can put this in we try to make people aware of it, but yeah, it's true. Not not that many people are necessarily aware of it just yet. Um, but yeah, it, it's a national campaign um, that's running across all of Scotland. Um, it's inspired by uh, a campaign of the same name, uh, which was run by the Green Schools in Ireland. Um, and it's basically to address the gender gap in cycling and particularly with young girls, uh, teenage girls, young women, and trying to address the barriers to cycling um, with the aim to, to see more women and young women and teenage girls cycling. Uh, because at the moment, uh, not many women, and particularly not in that age group here, we're talking about 13 to 18, um, are cycling. And we think that's a shame. Uh, cycling provides a lot of opportunities. Um, and if, if you don't feel like cycling can, can be for you at that, that age, um, you're kind of limiting your, your own opportunities and we think that's a shame. So we kind of wanted to address that. Uh, and how it's been done, how this campaign has been run is that we started off doing some focus groups um, with different groups. So here in Asia, we ran three different focus groups. Um, they were all done online because it's been during the pandemic. And the sort of first, first time that we, the focus groups were, were meeting up, it was to even just having a chat and figure out how, how are we feeling, who are we, you know, because one thing is that you come along and you'd be like, oh, come along, cycle with us. Um, but actually understanding, hey, why, why isn't that you, you're not so keen on it? And then we went on to, to talk about barriers, also about motivations, what, what's yeah. kind of nice about cycling. Um, and then we lastly looked at some action plans, what can be done um, to kind of encourage more girls to cycle, even just not just within East Asia, um, but also on a more national scale. And by like several sort of focus groups were carried out um, across all of Scotland and based on these focus groups and um, the findings from that, we, we developed a, a whole campaign together with these girls um, to, to encourage more, more girls, more organisations, more schools to get involved and hopefully push this forward. Um, so it's really, really exciting. I, it's definitely an area um, I'm very passionate about. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Well, and what, what, would, what, would, what did you find that were... I guess the most common barriers that came from them? Um, interestingly enough, quite often, you know, there were some barriers that you kind of expected. Um, well, at least I had expected it, you know, it'd be something like, oh, might not be cool, you know, I have to wear a helmet, these sorts of things. Yeah. But the social barriers was, um, I would say that was the biggest one. I, I've at least, I only right. went through them. As I started in May, I, I went yeah. through all the recordings and um, had to listen back to all the mm -hmm. focus groups as I got involved in the project. Um, but, but the social sort of aspect of it, um, fearing what other people thought when you were cycling yeah. was a big barrier. Um, 
And, you know, having also spoken on one of our previous podcasts, we, we interviewed some other girls from, from a different group in Perth, um, in King Ross. And, uh, and yeah, it was similar sort of various they'd experienced there where, you know, they were fearing what other people would say, the self-consciousness about it. Um, I remember hearing one saying that they feared that, that other, other people would take Snapchat videos of them and, and send it around. Um, it's the world we're in, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah. But it really surprised me, though, because I, I knew that it might it wasn't considered cool to cycle. I mean, it was very like evident. A, like peer, peer pressure and things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it was often the public girls that people were worried about. Van. It, it, it wasn't like boys. Um, that was oh. kind of the problem. It was actually the girls that they were kind of fearing, um, at least the focus group here in Asia. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought it was it was really sad to see. And also because a lot of the girls had really yeah. enjoyed cycling when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And then they gotten up to that age and it just suddenly wasn't cool anymore. And and they kind of stopped because they feared what other people would think of them if they saw them cycling. Um, and to me, it's, fun, it's, fun, it's, fun, it's, fun, it's funny that because my my daughter uh, is going through all of all of those types of changes and thoughts, and she's just turned fourteen, and her bike hasn't moved out of the hut for like three years because there is that. It's not cool to cycle. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's so funny because, and that's the whole point of the campaign. We want to change that. We want to change perception. But, you know, the main thing is also just to understand why is it that we we don't we don't see these girls cycling in the first place. And it's just changing the perception of what it means to be mm. cycling um, and that it's not all just middle-aged men in Lycra, you know? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, 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 it seems to be that's quite the perception. And I realised as well, I'm, I was probably naive when I moved over here because I grew up in a place where it's completely normalised. And that's where we want to get to. We want to get that's to a point true. where it's completely normal for girls to cycle. There's nothing weird about it. You can dress however you like. You can be whoever you want. You know, it's just... Um, Absolutely. It shouldn't be limited in a way. Um, I always find it so interesting as well because, you know, you can always just adjust a bike to fit you and suit your style. You know, it's funny, like in Denmark, quite often it's like a fashion statement. You'll, you'll see a lot of bloggers, you know, having their fancy little basque or whatever. And then you'll see the more sort of sporty girls where they're just going to have a mountain bike that's just covered in dirt. You know, it's just there's such a wide range, and we just want to get that across that it's it's not there's not just a one fits all, but but it's mm. very varied, and you can just be you, and it's not like you're a cyclist. You literally just you're just cycling from A to B, and you can enjoy it with friends. That was one yeah, of the it's, things. It's, it's using it as a mode of transport, um, and yeah, it's it's hard to hear a lot of that. Uh, and what have you? What have you found from the initial focus group meetings to now? Is there, is there much change in um, how, how they are? I mean, for me, I have to say, for me, Sasha, it was 
pretty high a lot of the girls were not keen to to kind of take it forward they were really happy to to tell us their opinion on things and really um share their thoughts uh but but taking it forward to actually start cycling more um they weren't too keen on it um but we've seen with other groups across Scotland where they've gotten so much more involved and they've now done more cycle rides with friends because quite often that's one of the incentives as well is that you can do it with friends and it's not to the same extent exhausting <laughs> like when you yeah. when you're trying to you know let's say run or anything like that you're not getting necessarily sweaty um so, so they've definitely said doing it with friends has made a huge difference um and they've started to do that a lot more since they they became part of the project. Um, and a lot of young people are really engaged with, you know, environmental issues, which is, yeah. I think, excellent. Um, but that's one of the things they've also realised that that actually starting to cycle, um, you, you can definitely lower your emissions significantly. Um, mm. so, so to a lot of the girls there, that's been quite a positive, uh, that they can see that as a benefit and possibly even when they, when they kind of like fearing or oh, what other people going to think, well, hey, hey, I'm actually making a difference now that I'm choosing to cycle. Um, yeah. so, so that was another thing as well. So and was, uh, it was, the, I mean, the, the, like the physical barriers, like infrastructure and paths come up or was that way down the agenda of like what they thought were barriers? I mean, it is it's certainly a barrier as well with safety, but it, it's not one of the, the things that's been the main discussion point, to be honest. Um, not with this age group. It, it, it has definitely been social barriers wow. much more. Um, what other people think. Um, more than anything uh, but certainly it also but it helps though when there's good infrastructure more people are cycling and when you see more people cycling you also it's normal, more it's normalized to, exactly then yeah. it becomes more normalized um and you see that as well you i mean i live in glasgow and you see the areas where there's good infrastructure many more people are cycling and when you see more people cycling it's like oh that can be an option for me too you know if you see somebody that you can recognize yourself in that person. Um, they look like you. Um, that helps to, to kind of be like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it too. Um, totally. So certainly in that way, but it's been more of an indirect impact um, rather than, uh, should we say, that the main reason why they're, they're not cycling at the moment. Um, so what's the, what's, what's, what's the direction of the Angie Cycles campaign? I mean, it's, it was launched recently. Yeah. So where where do you think things are going to go in the future with that? I mean, we're currently building it up. So so yeah, as you say, we're currently the whole launching process. So slowly, more film things are being built on top. Um, we recently had a webinar as well where we had in a lot of schools, youth leaders, teachers coming along um, where we then encouraging them, we've done some workshop material to, wow. to actually do these sort of focus groups that we did um, that can then be done with, with other groups. Um, so, so, so more girls can be involved, but then there's also social, social media side of things. Mm -hmm. so, so we have an Instagram account, there's a website too. Um, there is also a, uh, really, really cool video. Um, I really enjoy that. Several of the girls are actually taking part in focus groups and then also part of a video as well. Um, awesome. So that's a video ad 
going out so it's just it's a lot of way like raising awareness just now but also getting more girls involved um and letting them have a say and actually bring it up you know because a lot of these girls when we were talking about it you know they they said oh actually it actually annoys me that I've I've let other people's opinion affect me so much to do something I really enjoy doing you know um so so yeah hopefully by by having more girls doing these sort of workshops and focus groups um can kind of push that forward as well and come to these realizations that, that that this could be something for them as well that it's not um it's not limited to yeah you don't have to be a boy in order to cycle you anybody can cycle and you can always make it fit to suit you and your lifestyle basically that's excellent oh love it love all of that <laughs> uh well we could talk about that all day um, oh absolutely <laughs> but it's been fantastic speaking to you Pranella, uh, about the lead rides and and she cycles and well hope the lead rides go from strength to strength and hope the campaign grows a little bit of momentum as well and um, we get more girls on bikes i hope so to me that's that's definitely the the ambition to see more girls yeah out there on their bikes so so it's more for all of us not just for some well, I'd like to give you a massive thanks for coming on today to speak to us. Uh, everyone's had a little window into who Pernilla is and what some of the stuff we do at, um, across both hubs and at Kilmarnock as well. And we'll hope to see you very soon. and Kilmarnock Active Travel Hubs are South and East Ayrshire Council-led projects delivered in partnership with Sustrans and supported by the Smarter Choices, Smarter Places programme from Paths for All.